Hi, we're Cardigan Academy, your helpers for all things mental health, parenting, and education. I'm Devani. And I'm Stacy. And today we're talking about the importance of community. I love this topic because it's something that's been on my mind for a very long time. It's become more prominent since the pandemic began. I think people have seen how much we need one another. But even before the pandemic, I just looked around our world and thought, why are we so disconnected? And why don't, especially in our culture, I think here in the United States, like why why are we so isolated in our homes? I was I, actually, I was having a conversation with um, my husband's best friend and we were talking about how people always look back at their college years as such great years. And like you live in the dorms, you go to the cafeteria, you're taking classes, you're learning and you're meeting people. And everyone I talk to, I very rarely do I talk to someone who didn't enjoy college. What a wonderful time. And we were talking about how at college, you live in community, you're with other people, then you go learn in community and you eat in community mm-hmm. and you walk across campus and then you graduate and everybody gets their own house and they isolate in their own homes. And maybe they've got nice neighbors or a neighborhood or they find community somewhere, but the difference between college and post-college is community to very isolated. Yeah, I think it also varies depending where you live in the United States. This came up in our love language workshop, actually, because we had people from all over the country that attended, Mm -hmm. you know, just like a friendly hello to someone you don't know. In some parts of the United States, that's weird. (laughs) So how do you meet people when you're new? And then the flip side of that is, you know, when I moved into the neighborhood I live in, we had a next door neighbor who, before we ever got out of the car in our garage, was in the garage, (laughs) ready to meet us. And he he was actually from Trinidad. And he said a lot of this stuff we're talking, like the more you know your neighbors, there could be someone that does a thing that you don't know how to do and it can help. So his philosophy was aligned with ours. His approach was a little (laughs) jarring. Like, I can't open my driver's side door. Excuse me. Hi, nice to meet you. But but it it came from a place of wanting Mm -hmm. to connect. Have you seen the movie In the Heights yet? No. It's Lin-Manuel Miranda's musical before Hamilton, and it's a lot about Puerto Rican and Dominican culture in Washington Heights in New York City. And watching it and just seeing how much they all knew each other and they could walk into any place and hey, and they all knew each other's names and knew each other's families. And there was like the neighborhood abuela who looked over and watched over everyone and took care of them. And you just couldn't walk down the street without seeing people you knew. And watching that took me back to my childhood, when I would spend time with my grandparents, the city that they lived in, because there were so many Portuguese immigrants, it had the nickname Little Portugal. That's how it was. Everybody knew each other and frequented each other's stores and knew each other's families. And you weren't just saying hi to a stranger, you were saying 
hi, Jose, hi, Maria, like everyone knew each other and knew what was up. And there was this strong sense of community that they really, they brought over from their home cultures, which is one of the reasons why I love seeing more and more diversity in our country, because I think it only makes us richer and mm -hmm. it just adds so much texture and color and beauty to our world. I find the American culture to at times be very cold from that isolation and rugged individualism and there's not enough focus on community so watching that movie i just i remembered what that was like and i realized as time has gone on a lot of that's been lost mm -hmm. and that's sad i think about mr rogers too i mean i always think about mr rogers <laughs> <laughs> for this i think about you know won't you be my neighbor i remember being little and thinking does he want me to move into his neighborhood <laughs> i'm a kid i don't i i have no say in where <laughs> but thinking about it now, you know, and understanding that neighbor was synonymous with friend, right? Mm -hmm. Like he was building community and there was that go and visit in the, all the different people in the neighborhood and Sesame Street had that song that these are the people in your neighborhood. Like, I feel like we, we heard this as kids and somewhere along the way lost it. Yeah, I often find myself blaming, I guess, honestly, in my mind, I just think it's all this focus on individualism. I think mm -hmm. this even feeds into our parenting philosophy, because one of the things we talk to our parenting groups, part class, part support groups about is, you know, this idea in America of you parent till they're 18 and then off you go is very foreign in a lot of cultures. Like you don't, mm -hmm. when you're someone's parent, you're always their parent. And honestly, in the young adult years, we need more guidance than ever. And, you know, people always say you never outgrow wanting your mom and dad and, you know, or your parents or your, whoever it is that's raised you. This push that, oh, they, their first steps and their first, like we push kids to give up the binky. We push kids to, you know, not be in the bassinet and to get out of the crib and to sleep through the night by themselves and mm -hmm. to self-soothe and like all these different things. It's always just this push timeouts, right? Like push to isolate, push to be your own person and you don't need to rely on anybody, but we do need one another. And it's not a sign of weakness to need other people that's, that's human. I saw something on social media today and the message of it was that it is even harder to parent the way the cardigan academy way the respectful parenting the attachment parenting the peaceful parenting because while that's very biological and natural biologically it makes sense for our kids to sleep with us longer than mm -hmm. society tell and i know some of that has to do with safety but mm -hmm. the point of it was that it's even harder to parent that way because the more your child needs you then you need community yes and we don't have it and so the whole message of it was i have to share it on our mm -hmm. social media when this episode comes out but the point of it was that it is even more isolating to parent in a way that feels right to our hearts because we aren't being collectively supported oh. and that's really really one of our biggest goals through cardigan academy to create that support and that community i it never fails to amaze me how we can start a one-on-one -on -one help session with a client and their facial expressions and their concerns and their worry and by the end of the hour 
no matter what it is, even if we don't have like a concrete solution in place, which usually we, we have plenty of tips and tricks, but we <laughs> haven't implemented them yet in that hour, right? But we've given you this launching off point and just in having someone to hear you out, mm -hmm. our friendly faces, they soften. Yeah. It's also that, that community and that reassurance part of it. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things too. And you're, it's exactly what you just described. It's the look on their face of relief. It's, it's like you can visibly see them not shouldering so much. It's just that relax of the shoulders and the, oh, like take, they're, it's like they're taking a breath for the first time and, okay, I just needed the that. Kids even comment, you're, <laughs> you're different when you come off those calls. Like the kids, yeah. it's palpable. Yeah, I love the story of the person who came to our class and their kids were really, they thought, oh, she's taking a parenting class and so she's going to demand more chores and she's going to be yelling like you're going to get super nanny from your mom yes right? it's going to there's going to be a smackdown at the house it's gonna, <laughs> she's going to crack down and they admitted that to her later and they're like i love these classes i love how you are when you go to these classes and i feel like we're having more fun in our house and it's happier and mm -hmm. i'm like wow that is some great feedback yeah and then I was thinking about the other feedback that we've gotten from a client from our Therapy 101 clubs, kind of the what I wish I had known or the, mm -hmm. the highlights of what the big things, some big takeaways from therapy that are helpful. But in this community setting, I was actually talking to a fellow therapist about this yesterday. She said people can find therapists, but it's so hard to find that community part, that group part. And I said, that's exactly what Devani and I are trying to create, this is what we're doing through Cardigan Academy. And she said, I think it's wonderful. I refer people to you. I'm telling everyone because people need one another. They mm -hmm. need community, they need that. And it's hard to find. And I told her that in our Therapy 101 club, um, here we are talking about things that matter, big important things and our feelings and vulnerability and in a small group setting virtually and we're connecting with one another. I knew we were building community. What I did not anticipate, it's, we should make a list of all these things that <laughs> we did not anticipate that have been so great is that people in the cloops are connecting with one another even outside of the cloops mm -hmm. and because it's virtual and they, maybe they're in different states they're still connecting virtually mm -hmm. on social media or whatever what's neat for me to see and i think for you too devani like we both get to see this because we're also friends with them since mm -hmm. it's not a technically a therapy setting there's not as many of the strict rules so yeah we kind of enjoy it was that way as a teacher too like yeah. Did the parent of your student add you? Was it okay <laughs> once they weren't in your class anymore? And you know, you had that drilled into your head yes. in college, and I'm sure you did as well. Big time. But what we do now, Stacey and I are, are invested and attached. And oh yeah. We don't mind <laughs> if you friend us on Facebook after you've worked with us. We actually yeah. enjoy it. And that's what I love is that we're friends with them. And the the thing that brings me so much joy, and this is what I told my colleague, I am seeing them these clients encourage each other mm -hmm. when they're having a bad day or a bad week or a rough time. And I see them using the skills we've talked about. Mm -hmm. And so it's a common language. Yeah. They're, and, and the more that they are showing that kindness to each other, the more they're able to show it to themselves, mm -hmm. which is something a lot of us, when we do seek out these kinds of services, it's something we're working on is learning to have that with ourselves. Yeah, there's the support component. You're getting the support from the other members of the CLOOP and us in that setting. And also there's this sense of purpose when you're able to support 
others too. It goes both ways. And I think that's what is incredibly healing. I'm thinking of one client in particular who said to us in her feedback, I knew I would find community. What I didn't expect was that I would find friends. Mm. And truly it's be, it's grown beyond community to friendship. And it reminds me of the thing that you always say, Devani, when we talk about, when we started Cardigan Academy and we talked about these different things, you, you and I have talked about how great it is to enjoy a friendship and enjoy community with someone who's doing their work. Mm -hmm. They're seeing their therapist and you're seeing a therapist, like you're both, ev when everyone's doing the work, when you come together, no one's really carrying it all yeah. or yeah, like what, how would you describe it? Like what, it, what is it that you like about having that like rapport with somebody who's also doing the work? I think it's what you said. It's not this unequally distributed friendship. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going mm -hmm. to talk about friendships and how you know, some of them are healing and then others can be more of you're giving more than you're receiving or, and, and the common language, you know, I'll never forget having a friend and we were both in therapy. And the first time she reached out to me and said, do you have the emotional space to help me unpack something? And I thought, well, that's the first time anyone in my life has ever asked me that. <laughs> By the nature of who I am, people very often come to me with these things. It was the first time I had ever been asked first. It was like, it felt really good. Yeah. And then I was able to do that in return. And there were times where we were honest and would say, I don't right now, but I would love to hear this weekend. Do you want to go for coffee? Or I am available. And maybe the person just wanted a listening ear. Maybe they wanted advice. But mm -hmm. you learn to advocate for what you need and also support each other better when you're both responsible for your own therapy journey. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I think also it reminds me of what Brené Brown talks about with vulnerability. I think the connection's greater. Mm -hmm. I know I have closer connections with people like that. You and I share that with each other. I think we can talk about deeper things and we can joke around and we do that tons. Mm -hmm. But like there's just it's not just talking about the weather or small talk. Um, I can I can do that with people, but it's not as satisfying. Mm -hmm. And I've heard over the years, which is kind of funny. It's actually kind of funny that I went into social work and became a counselor because I've had people tell me over the years, people, complete strangers, people I don't know. I'm like talking to them on public transit or something where I'll meet somebody and then they're suddenly telling me like their life story or something mm -hmm. that's going on. And then they sort of almost like they catch themselves. They'll look at me and say, oh my goodness, like I, I don't usually share this or I, I just feel so comfortable telling you all these things. And sometimes they surprise themselves, but I, I take it as a compliment that somebody would feel safe enough and secure enough to talk about those things with me and also know that I, I don't mind. I love the thing you said about making sure you're, you know, you have the spoons that mm -hmm. you're in the mental space for it, but just, um, so that is a, definitely a courtesy. So this isn't opposite of that. This can be along with that. I, I do appreciate that people feel that they can be with me because I hope that's the vibe I'm putting out that, and that it's sincere. I've always said, I love small talk. I love big talk. I like any kind of talk. And what I mean by that is, yeah, let's get Let's get vulnerable. Let's get real, especially grieving the death of our daughter. I remember I could not, I did not have time for small talk for mm -hmm. quite a while. And I didn't have time for people that wanted that like surface level friendship. Yeah. Yeah. And I think 
another thing I'm thinking about as you're telling this story about a stranger opening up to you is the beauty of Kloops is that we're coming in on an even playing field. Mm -hmm. Isn't a friend, although you could certainly take it with a friend or mm -hmm. a partner or a sibling. So these people get invested in you and your story through the connection we share in the Kloop. Yeah. But it doesn't come in already weighed, yeah. lopsided in any direction. That's such a good point. And then you get to see the evolution of week to week. Hey, how did that go? You mentioned this and I thought of you. Or I wanted to tell you because I was thinking about what you said this past week. I don't know. Even when I watch a TV show and see someone in a support group setting, I, I always see that circle of chairs and think, oh, that's so nice. Mm -hmm. It just a safe place. We all we all need that safe space. I, I just looked up a quote based on something you said, Devani, that about the village, that point mm -hmm. you made about the village. Um, this is a really, really good quote. And I shared it on my page on Facebook. And what I said is, oh, my God, I feel seen. I've been saying something like this for years. This hits so hard. And the quote is from Beth Berry. She says, uh, let me preface this just by saying that Devani and I talk a lot about, we talk a lot about with each other about emotional labor and the mental load. And that will be a podcast someday mm -hmm. because it's a hot topic. Probably soon. Yeah, this is a <laughs> very hot topic among a lot of people, but especially I think our women mm -hmm. friends in particular. And so this, this mentions that as well. The majority of our mental load and emotional labor as modern day mothers comes from constantly and creatively trying to piece together some semblance of a village, stepping into roles meant to be filled by other village members and unconsciously grieving the soul-crushing loss which is hidden in plain sight, we hugely underestimate the weight of villagelessness on mothers. Mm. And that is profoundly what I have felt as a young mom especially, but I have 100% felt myself stepping into roles because I can tell, oh no, my kids don't have this mm -hmm. or other cultures have this. I need to create this. So now I'm mom, aunt, grandma, like where we live, we're not, we don't live near either set of grandparents. And so I'm, you're trying to be all the things yeah. to them and make up for what's like, and it's, I am tired to the bone sometimes from the villagelessness that we experience. Yeah, I also remember as a new mom seeking mom friends, I hadn't expected to step out of the classroom and stay home with my own kids. So then I was, okay, I don't have a community. I need to find a community. Mm -hmm. But I also wasn't in the place I'm in now a decade later, mental health wise. And so I found myself out of a need for connection, sometimes overlooking some red flags where yeah. I wasn't emotionally safe with some of these. Mm -hmm. I'll call them friendships, but mm -hmm. Some of them have been decade-long friendships, and those people know who they are. And then the other ones that have fallen to the wayside, sometimes it is reason, season, lifetime. And sometimes it is, wow, I was putting a lot in emotionally and mentally because of wanting a connection, and it, it wasn't reciprocal. That is so highly relatable. And everything you just described, I I went through this, I've been through this time of like hindsight. You know, mm -hmm. what? how did I not see those red flags? I see them now. Why can't I get ahead of this and see them earlier so that I don't invest and get hurt or whatever? And also, I think some of it comes from, I don't know if it's our culture or what the deal is, but some for some people, it's our upbringings. But we, I, I think we get conditioned to ignore 
mm-hmm. listening to our guts. I, cause I, I look back and think, no, no, my gut feeling was saying, uh-huh. yeah. And instead I did that spiritual bypass or toxic yep. positivity. Look thing for the good. For the well, good. Yep. She means well, you know, this, this friend that is demanding so much of you and, and you're like, wait, how am I suddenly mothering an, an adult woman that I'm supposed to be f- friends with simultaneously? And it is. Sometimes other people would even tell me, oh, well, that's just the way she is. And so I was literally being told to overlook <laughs> things that yep. my gut was telling me, oh, no, this isn't in my best interest. And I think what we do then in those situations, depending on either how we've been raised or, you know, or do we have those people pleasing where we taught that our worth resides in pleasing people. And mm-hmm. so then we second guess ourselves, you know, and that's something I find myself telling my kids, listen to your gut. If your gut is telling you something, listen to it. And when they tell me something, I try to listen. I listen to what they're saying because I want to reinforce, trust your instinct, trust your gut, listen to that, evaluate it, take a like use your head and your heart. But yeah, we need to look at these things because I, I would do the, you know, look for the good or everyone's got good in them or, oh, they've had a hard life. Mm-hmm. And that may be true. And that can be, again, a concurrent thought held along with mm-hmm. and I don't know if this is good for my mental health, for where I am in my life right now. Do I have the spoons for this? That's the perfect point, because in this group of friends, there were other people that had the emotional bandwidth to show up in a way that I didn't Mm -hmm. when I was grieving the loss of my daughter. And I think that's what like really shook me into the reality of it. Like I no longer had the spoons for a lot of bullshit in my life. And when the cloud of grief started to lift a little, I didn't want to fill it back in with that same sort of familiar unrest or discomfort in some of those relationships. It makes sense that the way you said, I mean, you were sort of almost catapulted into it because of grief and loss. Mm -hmm. I mean, suddenly, probably, I imagine that time became so precious mm-hmm. and relationships that you're not just going to sort through and filter through and I'll oh, be friends with whatever. It's, oh, oh, no, no. I'm going to spend my time with what really feeds yeah. me right now. That completely makes sense to what you were experiencing. I think you might have gotten there faster than some people in a way because you were sort of forced to. Yeah, it was definitely a gift my daughter gave us through her life and her brief life and her death to, it was like my eyes were opened to what I was spending my time on. Mm -hmm. And the pandemic did it as well. And it's 10 years later and I'm like, oh, I've done a lot better, but there's still some cleaning out that can be done here. And when the pandemic forces you to do that, Mm -hmm. then it's like, who do I want to reconnect with after who am I staying in contact with? And it's those relationships you're talking about where you have that depth and that vulnerability. You know, I love those friendships where whether you've talked regularly or less regularly, you pick right up where you left off. And I, it's interesting you bring up the pandemic because as you were talking about that, I thought, oh, that's how I've heard a lot of people describe the past however long now 16 17 months it's like uh the garden metaphor right Mm -hmm. like you know what do you have space for in your garden and you weed out what you don't want so that you have space for what you do want and we sort of do this in our lives and the pandemic was an, an experience that forced many people by locking down staying in it freed up a lot of time and space and it's made a lot of people reevaluate exactly that what do i want in this space what has been freed up that I don't wish to return to? What am I eat? What might what new? The thing too is when you when you do weed this stuff out, it either allows space 
and that's enough. Maybe you just need the space. Maybe you just need the downtime. But it also allows space for something else to enter in mm -hmm. if that's what you'd like. And you don't, you can't be this amazing friend to 500 people. Yeah. It's just not humanly possible. And so what are those relationships? What are those? Well, we often talk about uh, in our clubs and at Cardigan Academy, there's the relationships of convenience, maybe relationships where there's a sense of familiarity mm -hmm. to something you've been used to or grew up with that may or may not be healthy. It's just simply familiar. Yeah. A relationship of convenience, I always think of as you are friends because you share a workspace. So proximity, maybe. Yeah. It's something that you spend time together in a I don't want to say forced, but kind of. Yeah, you're work. dropping your kids off at the same activity on a regular yeah. basis. and Same congregation, mm -hmm. whatever the thing may be. And those may be wonderful friendships, but those are the ones where you almost have to stop and say, okay, but if I were not at this workplace or in this situation, if I had not met this person here, is this someone I would seek out? Is this someone I would want to have a relationship with, you know, this relationship of depth? Or is it, are we friends because of the convenience factor? Or is this a relationship of intention? And it, it can be both, but those relationships of intention, these, the phrase I have learned to use for myself as I've tried to do better with paying attention to red flags and having stronger boundaries through my healing journey is, am I emotionally safe with this person? And sometimes I find out that I'm not after I have opened up and shared mm -hmm. and there's been some kind of a response or a feeling where I think, uh oh, <laughs> abort, abort. Yeah. <laughs> I said too much and this was not received and now I just got judged or shamed or lectured instead of heard and seen and validated. And that's not to say that a friend can't gently push me Mm -hmm. and encourage me in a healthy way. This this is different. This is here yeah. I am bearing my soul and you did not hear my pain. And we help you learn that difference in our Therapy 101 club. And some of that is from personal experience and also <laughs> what we bring to the table professionally. But we couldn't be telling you about it if we hadn't gone through it ourselves. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking when you were talking is everything you're saying about friendships of convenience or proximity is also often a conversation in our healing from your toxic childhood clue mm -hmm. about family. Because guess yeah. what? You can ask yourself those same questions about the people you happen to share <laughs> DNA with. And that's okay, especially if you came from a toxic childhood. And that may feel like a foreign concept because, again, it's one of those societal things. But he's your dad, but Blood's she's your mom. Blood's thicker than water. Yeah, you only get one family. Yeah. Like, you know, they, there's these sayings, these things people say. And as if that explains everyone's that it assumes that everyone's got a safe, mm -hmm. loving, soft place to land that they may or may not have. And it's interesting to me to see people for the first time in their lives take a step back and question, wait a second. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's an, another interesting question. If I were not related to this person, is this someone I would seek out mm -hmm. to have in my life? That's a really eye-opening question. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we're giving advice to people and we're saying things like, you know, you only have one family, we don't realize that our experience might be vastly different from theirs. And mm -hmm. the same could be said about the relationship. If a friend comes to you and they're considering leaving their partner and all you do is go on and on about how marriages work and nowadays people just get divorced at the drop of a hat, you have no idea the reality that's going 
on mm. in their home. Yeah. Unless you have been emotionally vulnerable with each other. So I just caution anyone to give those empty platitudes. <laughs> I am not a fan of platitudes at all. Like I just cringe when I hear them. I was even thinking it in my head before you said it. I was like, oh, platitudes. <laughs> Because you don't know, like I saw an exchange with somebody on social media the other day where someone was basically saying, you know, they had a toxic relationship with the family member and they broke free and, you know, they've had some healing to do. And someone went on there and lectured them about, oh, and now you come on here and you glad you have someone to blame and complain. And it was sort of like a what I wouldn't give to have another day mm. with that same relative that, you know, passed. Again, you <laughs> you don't know everyone's story so when someone shares something stop listen and hear their pain which is how you build community too like no one wants to be lectured when we share these things we're not necessarily unless we're asking and saying give me advice Mm -hmm. We're not looking to be scolded and shamed and lectured. We are looking for connection. That is what often drives people back into their own homes without a sense of community is mm -hmm. showing up and being vulnerable and being met with mm -hmm. people who aren't validating or empathizing with our experiences. Yeah. You said something earlier about when you left teaching and we're home and hey what's my community and i've had that thought a lot i think we've had some episodes on homeschooling mm -hmm. and what that looks like and what it's like for us and i when i think about homeschooling i you know one of the things i think we've talked about is you know how important it is to give your kids the best that you can so if you're going to choose to homeschool there is a little bit kind of like that quote i read of maybe making up for some of the things they might be missing from a school set not replicating mm -hmm. but i remember thinking okay what about those awesome teachers you have that totally love you and if i want my kids to have that so mm -hmm. i i've sought out mentors for them like making sure they've got adults in their lives who see and value them and encourage them that is something i've asked myself a lot for a few reasons number one i've mostly been home with my kids and kind of worked on the side always we have our own business so we're not in a typical not super in a, in a typical workplace yeah. environment to meet other co-workers so much we homeschool so you have to build community which is part of why we built up our homeschool group and we left mormonism that was an enormous part of our community actually we always joke that if if you're a good mormon you don't have time to do anything bad because you're so stinking busy it's you know three hours of church and endless activities and meetings and the way it's structured, the majority of your friends are going to also be Mormon, but you're sort of assigned geographically to your congregation. And so here we have this like triple whammy, right? We left mainstream job situations to have our own business. We left mainstream schooling to mm -hmm. homeschool and we left a mainstream religion, you know, and, and so there's three communities that we walked away from. And yeah. I was highly aware that we had done that. I was fine with all those decisions, more than fine actually, but now what? So now what is our community and what does it look like and how do we build it? I knew we had to make a greater effort to reach out and connect with community, build community, form community, because I, I had we had walked away from three pretty straightforward, easy ways to have it. So what did that look like? I feel like you're very good at that. Even when it's not a group, you're very good at connecting people. Like you're responsible for me finding my memoir writing group that is the perfect fit. <laughs> like I can't even say enough. It is one of those groups that, uh, you know, we're all doing 
our own work and our own writing and then we come together and it's just like this amazing process of really authentically listening to each other and so I see you do this in group settings and I see you do this with individuals so I guess like walk us through what that looked like when you moved to Pennsylvania well in the name of openness and vulnerability, the first few years were rough. Yeah. I mean, I, I was dealing with crippling depression. I was home with two little kids. We had one car, which my husband took to work. He was in residency. You're talking 80-hour work weeks. It was a time of great reevaluation for us of, is this the life we want to have? Working so many hours, not having family time, and, and it's crushing us mentally. And we didn't have a lot. We didn't have a village. We didn't have extended family. So this, for us at first, looked like a really hard time and my husband taking FMLA leave from work because of my mental health, it looked like at times reaching out and literally begging for help mm -hmm. and not necessarily getting it. It was a very lonely and scary time and it made us make some big, huge life decisions that affect us to this day, which reminds me again, how important it is to have support and community because it can 100% alter your life. Yeah. And then, you know, as we started our own business and our kids got older and I, during that FMLA time, I found a therapist and I started working on getting better. And it looked like starting a homeschool group, which we talked about in our homeschool episode, which just briefly, all the groups were religious. I didn't want that. I started an inclusive group. And so over the years, that's always been a big, big part of our community. And as our kids have gotten older and gotten into theater, that's mm -hmm. been a fabulous community because the theater community is just wonderful and we've met some of we've met some really great people and you get to have this shared craft and love of art and music and dance and acting and i kind of like having people from different walks too like that you know mm -hmm. homeschool friends and theater friends we also um there was a time i looked around and thought my kids need more, even more than what they're getting from our homeschool group, which is already wonderful, but I want even a little more as they got older. And so theater helped. And we went on meetup.com, hmm. which is a website all about community. It's a, it's a great concept. Uh, but when I looked in our particular county, <laughs> there were three meetup groups. One was a gardening group. One was street fighting. Oh. <laughs> and I don't remember the other one, but I was like, none of these are quite what I'm looking for. And so then I expanded the geographic location a little bit to neighboring communities. And I found a group that caught my eye immediately. And it was the Geek Girls of Lancaster County. <laughs> and it's a group that basically they get together and they talk about Harry Potter and Marvel movies and Doctor Who. And they play board games and they go to roller derbies. It was just all this really cool stuff. And I thought, oh, these are my people. This is, this is the song of my people. <laughs> And so we started to attend some of those activities and we've met some really great people there as well. In fact, my daughter's best friend, TJ, we met their family through this group and they've got this wonderful friendship that's come from that. So I think sometimes community is unexpected. Cardigan Academy, I didn't, this isn't what I picture, it, you know, it has evolved into something even better than I could have dreamed. It's better than I did dream a friend. My um, husband's cousin t said to me today how cool it is that what we do is virtual because she's like, you can cast, you, you can reach out to more people. When you are limited geographically with those who might have the same interests and mm -hmm. principles and philosophies and belief systems, sometimes you will get a smaller mm -hmm. group to choose from. And I found that also in my early days of grief. Like I was so thankful for the internet and social mm -hmm. media and message boards to 
find other grieving mothers. And I did have a small knit local group and I still do. And those friendships mean the world to me. And also I have people that I've never met face to face that Mm -hmm. were so influential in my healing as well. And that's a nice, a nice aspect of Cardigan Academy that we aren't limited geographically and we're seeing that even in our podcast reach recently like wow how many states look how many countries yeah and social media too i just will we'll have an entire podcast episode just on that but it's one of those things that gets this bad rep and it's it's not all bad and i've met some incredible people through social media you and i both have Mm -hmm. and that's always something really great because because maybe i'm meeting people i never would have met otherwise so that's one of the great things about social media and another way to build community. And I've been able to meet some of these people, you know, eventually someday in person. These are friendships. Like my, my Max is a gamer and he has friends he's met through gaming. They haven't met face to face yet, but they talk every single day Uh and they check in on each other and they are friends and they enjoy one another's company. And those relationships matter. I think sometimes people try to minimize or diminish you know, if you have not seen each other face to face. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. my husband's working with people now on his team that he hasn't met face to face because they started during the pandemic and they're not, again, limited geographically mm-hmm. the way they were before. And yeah, our shifting world podcast episode talked a lot about how we're rethinking mm-hmm. education and the way we work now and i think that's part of it is making those connections even when they're virtual my friend benjamin he and i have been friends since we were 14 we reconnected a few years ago and it's been fantastic he's just one of the best people i know and i love that we have this many decades friendship and that we've been able to pick up right where we left off and i love his wife and his kids and he's a really great guy i love introducing him to people because i always have that feeling of like this is benjamin like you're gonna love him and he said to me i started noticing through social media he would through different ways get to know some of my friends and he said something to me one time big compliment i don't know how deserving I am of this. Is it luck? I don't know. But he he said, when I get to know someone, when I see that they're friends with you, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a great person. He's like, you've got these great friends. And whether or not it's because I'm quote unquote good at it, or I've just lucked out. It's not luck. I'm telling you, this is something, this goes back to our how to accept a compliment podcast, right? Because this is something that I have had to learn to take responsibility for over the years too, because I got to the point where I would start saying like, I cultivate good friends Mm -hmm. and it is because of the work I've done in therapy and stopping to think and evaluate if I'm emotionally safe with people and not ignoring red flags so it is credit yeah definitely (laughs) you're not just lucky okay well then it's a wonderful compliment thank you Benjamin (laughs) but it, it it honestly delights me to see to see him make friends with my friends and it's one of those things I feel the same way with you. I just get excited to connect you with people. And I just, I love connecting people with things. If I see that someone's looking for a good restaurant, I love to be like, oh, let me, let me tell you about this. I just, and you do this too in the community. You share those, you know, about Splat Studio Mm -hmm. and you, both of us have always done this and I don't, we love connecting people with resources, people Mm -hmm. with other people. Yeah. It makes sense now that we're doing it through Cardigan Academy too. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So we asked 
Have you ever met someone or made a friend in a cool or unusual way? Jessica Wenger said, this is crazy. Like, she said that she and her husband grew up 20 minutes apart, went to neighboring districts, had common friends, and they met on a plane to Colorado 23 years ago. <laughs> like, oh, hi, did you meet? On a plane flight. Oh, where are you each from? Next door. <laughs> you never know. I'm always telling my kids, you never know. You never know. So Zelly says... I met my partner at our local public library. My sister and I both volunteered there and she knew I had a crush on him for months. He came in one day during her shift. My sister told him that she was my sister and gave him my number. He called me the next day and we had our first date at Pizza Hut. I showed up with my entire family in a minivan because I still only had my learner's <laughs> permit. And somehow we are about to celebrate our six year anniversary on August 11th. I love this story for several reasons. One is while you were talking about meetup.com, I was thinking I've met a lot of those really good friendships, other people that are lifelong learners mm -hmm. at our local library. And yeah. I was also thinking, through volunteering. <laughs> I've met a lot of great people through volunteering because when you volunteer in something you care about, you're going to meet other people that care about that same cause. That's a great place to build community. That reminds me too, when we did meetup.com, and I don't, I don't want to like diss on a group because it was a really cool group. It just, again, different connections. What, the street fighting one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we were. that was a hard pass. We didn't even go. <laughs> Not even curious. That's not my scene. But no, not that one. We tried out a few meetup groups at first. And the point of the group was that you would meet up and go out for sushi. And I was like, that's fantastic. I love mm -hmm. sushi. But what happened was now what do you talk about? Oh, what role did you get? Yeah. Oh, I got the dragon roll. Like, what? <laughs> so unless you have things in common, you're just mm -hmm. eating the same food. <laughs> well, you have to like the small talk to get to the big talk, right? You yeah. To... And I guess this particular time it was like, it was okay, but we weren't really connecting with the people. The geek girls group, I was like, oh, we share common interests, common loves, and there's never a lack mm -hmm. for conversation. And what's cool is the geek girls go out for sushi and now we've got both. <laughs> So Sean says, and this is cool, I know Sean from social media because actually I met his daughter through Geek Girls. <laughs> he says he's a lifelong introvert, but he's amazed at the number of friends he's made through social media, like we said, but also dog activities. Mm. He's got the cutest dog, Lexi. She's so adorable. These floppy little ears. And he, she does, I, I don't know if it's like what you call it, like a show dog. Like she does tricks, like she jumps through hoops and does obstacle courses and she's highly trained and she's just a wonderful dog. And having a dog really does make you meet a lot of people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, as we're talking about this, it, it is about creating community or wearing community to meet people. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's friendships, but a lot of these answers are about how to meet someone romantically too. So it's interesting how there's that common, find something, put yourself out there a little bit, find something you're interested in, find places you can go to meet people that are like-minded. All of that applies to both. Yeah, and it's always nice. Another Cardigan Academy principle is shared principles. <laughs> Mm -hmm. it, but it's it matters. I think in friendships when you have shared principles, that goes a long way because you have this really what's important to you common ground and now you build on that and that that makes it just such a good, generally a good match. Mm -hmm. So speaking of romantic connections, I love Allison's. Yeah. Because it seems like something out of a movie, but she said, met my now husband when my car broke down on the side of the road. <laughs> it would definitely be a movie if it was raining. 
Oh, <laughs> I, see, I, I told my kids this story and they're like, but how, how did that? And I was like, I don't know. And I said, maybe she said, oh, this is so con knowing Allison, actually, she's a very thoughtful, gracious person. Mm -hmm. I, uh, so I played out this whole, like I created this whole scenario and uh, <laughs> Allison will have to tell me if I got this right. But I said, my guess is that Allison probably said, thank you so much. I'd really love to send you a thank you in the mail. Can I have your address? And I don't know, maybe she wrote a letter and then maybe they connected on social media or started calling each other. But my guess is that she wrote a thank you note and it blossomed from there. Mm -hmm. Or could I take you out for coffee to thank you or something like that is mm -hmm. what I think happened. But I really want to ask her now. <laughs> But that's such a great meet cute. Kate says, I met some of my best friends through a chat room for fans of Supernatural. We even all met each other in person for my 16th birthday. That was amazing. They would meet up to do like online role playing and uh, fan fiction writing over again, a shared interest in a TV show. And then for her 16th birthday, girl, there's I think five girls from four different states all got together for the first time in person. They'd been friends online for two years and those friendships have carried on. They continue to carry on. They check in with each other. They visit each other. Some of these girls have come back several times. What a beautiful friendship that started in a, in a chat room about a TV show. <laughs> Yeah, again, this will come up in our social media episode, but thinking back to what we asked, the question about what people loved and didn't love about their school experience in our episode about the truth about home education, a lot of the answers we got about the bad parts were I felt isolated, I didn't have any friends. And so social media sometimes can allow people to reach out and connect with others. Again, they aren't limited geographically. I love online communities that all center around a subject or a theme mm -hmm. because I learn there. There's a lot of great mental health groups out there. And again, what's the thing we keep hearing? I like these groups because I feel less alone or for the first time I'm hearing stories and I am seeing people like me. Mm -hmm. It's a human need. It makes sense that we crave this and that when we get it, it's so satisfying because we are human beings. We are wired to need one another. So less isolating and more connection. And that can look different for different people. That doesn't mean you have to go to a big crowd if you're an mm -hmm. introvert it doesn't mean you have to do something you're uncomfortable with at your comfort level in the way that is true to you to have those connections that matter and for some people it just takes a couple and other people might be super extroverted and need the you know big group settings on a regular it, it varies and that's and that's okay yeah and that connection that feeling of belonging biologically is flooding our brain with all of those positive brain chemicals that we've done a series on too. Mm -hmm. And so that is the reason and the why and the how of why we need each other. We absolutely do. And everything we do at Cardigan Academy is trauma informed and trauma looks different for different people. And some people have gone through some really big stuff and some people have gone through a series of little things and whatever it might be to heal that trauma. I always say there's three three components if you're really working on healing your trauma, which people might think, oh, trauma, that's, I don't know if that applies to me, but when you're seeking a therapist, you're healing in some way, whatever, something you've gone through that's been hard, whatever that is, the three big ways to heal trauma are one, seeing a trauma therapist, two, doing some kind of body work. So dance is a good one, yoga, um, aerobics, but something where you're moving your body because, and we, we talk about this in other settings, other workshops, but our bodies 
hold on to mm-hmm. that trauma in the form of tension or disease or indigestion. So the body movement, I, I almost sort of have a pet peeve that our culture focuses so much on exercising for losing weight or yeah. physical health, which physical health, that is important, but I wish we heard more about how good it is for our mental health because that's a big motivator for me. And that third piece for healing trauma is community. And because that's the hardest one to find, big part of Cardigan Academy is, well, anybody can go out and find a therapist and exercise, but how do you find this community? Let's create it. Do you have an extracurricular? I do. Do you? I do. (laughs) Do you want to go first? Okay. I love James Gandolfini. Uh, (laughs) I have a funny story about this. So my husband and I watched the Sopranos series in its entirety when we first got married. And that was back when Netflix was the DVD you would get in the mail. <laughs> in the little red envelope. Yeah. And so you get to watch, you know, a couple episodes at a time and then you had to mail back and wait. But I love that show. And I love. So one of the best gifts my husband ever got me was the Christmas that our first daughter was born. He had gone into a local baseball card shop to sell some baseball cards from his childhood. And on the wall was a autographed James Gandolfini photo. My husband is usually really bad at keeping surprises. Like he's just bursting with excitement and wants to always tell you, well, do you at least want to know where I got it? Or I love people like that. I have something that you're really going to like, but it has to do with something. But and I'm like, stop, because now I'm <laughs> guessing and I don't, I don't want to guess. But in the, in the hecticness of my daughter being born on December 22nd, he could, he didn't have time to give me those clues. And so we got out of the hospital on Christmas day and he gave me this gift. It was amazing because it was James Gandolfini, but it was also amazing because he had kept the surprise under wraps. It was just so unexpected. So when James Gandolfini died in 2013, I was so sad. You know, they had always talked about potentially doing a Sopranos reunion, Mm -hmm. maybe a movie or what that would look like. And so we all thought that the thoughts of that were out the window, but his son, Michael, is actually playing him. They're doing a movie that's the backstory. It's called The Many Saints of Newark. And his, his son was 14 when James passed away in 2013. And so I'm reading all of this. I'm super excited about the movie, of course, and I'm reading all of this. And the part that made me make this my extracurricular and that brought me to tears twice Mm -hmm. was reading about, Michael said, I never watched the show. I was 14 when my dad died and it was was not appropriate for me Mm -hmm. at the time, but now I'm watching it to get the backstory to play the role of a young Tony Soprano. Wow. (laughs) So I'm re-watching my dad, hours and hours and hours of footage. And he said, there's one scene where Tony Soprano comes in and he's talking to his son in the show. And he says, I could have never asked for a better son. And Michael says, I just felt like that was my dad just speaking to me through the show. And so when I read it, I cried. And then when I told my daughter about it, I cried. (laughs) You're weepy right now. Yeah, I know. I'm probably going to (laughs) cry watching the movie. But I just, I love I love that. I love examples in our culture about grieving well and healthy. Mm-hmm. And I just think how vulnerable it was for Michael Gandolfini to share that moment with us as a wider audience and give even more meaning to the fact that he's playing a young version of his father's character. That's beautiful. And I love about you that you 
feel so deeply about these things because it's just it's who you are and i and i know that again that shows that you genuinely care i i'll have to send you the article i read this week about um robin williams son i guess we're coming up on what would have been robin williams 70th birthday and i think his son was also maybe not a teenager but you know young and Mm -hmm. it was shocking it was shocking for everyone and he just had a uh, it was just a really nice tribute that he shared about his dad yeah i wonder what that's like for them as these kids to watch their because they've got footage yeah it gives me chills and they're grieving in the public eye yeah yeah and there might be some expectations placed right because of the great love and reverence people have for the actors and their dads their moms Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be but yeah that's a what a beautiful thing that he gets to play the backstory like that i can't wait to watch it that's incredible. And other another question I had for you following up. Did you see the movie with James Gandolfini and Julia Louis-Dreyfus? Yes. And the great part about that is I love her. Like, I have a crush on her. She is like my female celebrity top all-time crush. Really? So to see them both together oh! in the movie was just like Your head's amazing. Exploded. Yeah. I love them both so much. Okay, because I loved that movie. Yeah, it was a really good movie. I believe that's what he was filming or had just finished filming when he died. Just finished, yeah. Right? Yeah. And I, I remember there being some really touching scenes in the movie that were extra poignant because mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, such a good movie. Because I'm a big sucker for indie films. I just really like simple plot, great characters. Mm-hmm. Give me rich characters and I'm there for that. So, oh, I, I love learning this about you. <laughs> I did not know that. So my extracurricular is kind of perfect. Again, not planned, but it goes really well with our topic from today. I was gifted a, it's called a Chinese money plant. I actually came home and researched it even more. It's also called a friendship plant. And the beautiful thing about this gift, first of all, it's a really cool looking plant. Like all the leaves are, they look like coins. They, they're they round. And the reason it's called a friendship plant is it the way it was described to me is it it makes babies like it you know it just kind of keeps giving little little offshoots mm-hmm. and so it's in this beautiful pot and it's pretty uh hardy like i i feel like i'll be able to actually take good care of it <laughs> and not kill it like it'll it it only needs to be watered every couple of weeks um it needs like indirect sunlight so it's by my like computer workstation and it's just the best part about getting this plant was that when it was given to me my friend clearly had something she wanted to say first and she said i i have something for you and then talked about the symbolism of the plant and talked about how she has needed community and she has needed friendship and she said you know you helped me see how to get that how to have that and you know that means a lot to me and she was so genuine and sincere and it was just like this really beautiful moment and it was really cool too because my whole family was there too And I'm just standing there like, this is amazing. So it's just, a, it's a beautiful gift. And I'm very excited because I'm not usually good with plants. And I'm actually, I'm kind of pumped about this one. <laughs> Have you named it? No, but I'm going to, because she okay, has good. a bunch of plants and names them. And I'm like, yeah, it's very important to name your plant. <laughs> I can't wait for you to tell us what you named it. <laughs> the pressure. <laughs> If you're interested in learning more about parenting, education, and mental health from our therapist teacher team, check us out at cardiganacademy.com. And we are also on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. 